Hi, this is Steve. This is Lisa. Uh, we are coming to you from our studio in Washington, D.C. tonight. Yeah, the fanciest of studios. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Got studios all over the place. Tonight, Washington. Who knows where we'll be next week. The moon. <laughs> um, Lisa, we just got back from a little trip. We were in France and Switzerland. We were. Um, I wanted to move on from talking more about France, but we were just there, so the French is in me. Oh, is this going to be another French-themed talk? Yeah, I think so. We swear to our listeners this isn't going to be a strictly French history podcast. Well, you do that. Yeah, you swear that. Yeah. But we were just in France... And we just did Napoleon, so I think what I want to do is the prequel to Napoleon, which is a guy named Maximilian Robespierre. Oh, yeah. Well, we talked about this last time, that if we liked it, then we were going to do a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is the prequel to Napoleon. This is the prequel to Napoleon. And then I promise we'll take a break from talking about France. I just think we shouldn't make any promises related to France. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I might want to keep talking about France next week. Um, but let's just get right into it, Lise. Do you, do you know who Maximilian Robespierre is? Uh, only that he's French and uh, preceded Napoleon in life and death, I'm guessing, unless they overlapped. That was a good guess. Okay. That was a good guess. They did overlap, though. Okay. Um, basically, the story of Maximilian and Robespierre is the story of the French Revolution, I just would like to keep it a little more personal around Maximilian Robespierre, because he's such an interesting character from the Revolution, right? Um, so do you know much about the French Revolution at all, Lise? Or is this going to be a big learning experience for you? I know that heads rolled, and um, and that it was a big freaking deal, and that you really liked it. Um, I did, yeah. yeah. It was a big deal. When you say the heads rolled, what did what do you mean by that? That, I think, is when the guillotine became so infamous and associated with France and killing. It's when the guillotine was invented. Mm. Guess so who the guy's was... name who invented the guillotine was. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with guillotine on this one. His name was Dr. Guillotin. Yeah, what a legacy. Yeah, he was Oof. a doctor, though. He's like a legit licensed doctor. Mm. Do you know what the guillotine did? Mm-hmm. What did it do? It sliced your head off. Yeah, much more efficiently than an axe. Yes. An executioner had an axe before, and they'd chop a bunch of times, and sometimes it'd take three swings to kill someone, but the good doctor invented a way to cut off heads more efficiently. The guillotine. So do we think that he kind of, it was like a trade-off, that people had the less painful deaths, but they, uh, more people died? I think just as many people would have died. Really? I actually think in a weird, morbid way that Dr guillotine was good for inventing it because that many people were going to die regardless okay so it was really just a less painful method yeah that didn't necessarily contribute to more loss of life absolutely okay i also want to give you and the listeners um a warning i'm probably going to use like a really really impressively good french accent (laughs) throughout various parts of this podcast I just want to be clear that I'm not that big of a douche that I'm trying to be, like, historically accurate. I'm doing it for self-entertainment. 
<laughs> yeah, zero okay. douche. Yeah, <laughs> in really anything you do, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Douche-free zone. Never a douche. By the way, a douchebag. French invention. Really? Absolutely. Even though it's it sounds so German. No, it's it's French. Because think about it. You know, the, the French are so sexy. You know, like, of course they're gonna have like, you know, vagina vagina, vagina hygiene. Ooh. I yeah. I know we were going mm-hmm. vagina route this podcast mm-hmm. and uh yeah i i didn't really associate cleaning never mind we should not go down this path no let's, no no let's, let's, let's take a back. hard turn back to history <laughs> hard turn back to history yeah ready for it um so um let's get we, we gotta set a lot of background here all right okay let's do time frame french revolution before after the american revolution least before before no. Shit. Definitely after, because wow. the French gave us a very famous gift. I was really gift. confident of that. Okay, so You're 1400s <laughs> floating around in my head, completely off. Way off. Wow, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Not Don't even judge close. me, guys. Don't That's judge me. That's still like medieval French. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm being honest for for your own comfort and entertainment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't judge me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was after the American Revolution. Yeah. Wow, so they were, that was, you know, I think maybe part of it is I didn't like thinking of it being so recent that there was a regime that just chopped people's heads off in the street. Yeah, super, super recent. Oh. Started around 1789. Wow. 1789. Guys. Um, yeah, it's, not, it's basically like 200 years ago. It's like the grand scheme of things is very recent. Wow. Okay. Um, the French, we talked about this last podcast too. They gave us a gift because of the because they got the idea from us. What yes. was that gift? Yes, we did talk about all of this. I guess yeah. Um, it was the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, Statue yeah. of Liberty. Because literally, one of the causes of the French Revolution was the success of the American Revolution. So yeah. let's make that totally clear. I think they came up with their their tactics all on their own. Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, as I used to say when I was still teaching. Um, the French Revolution makes the um, American Revolution look like a pillow fight at like a Boy Scout sleepover. Yeah, I, I, I was never in the Boy Scouts, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not really sure what they did at sleepovers. Yeah, that was okay. a weird description. I mean, I'm sure it's happened <laughs> in in history. You know, yeah, it's not so, such yeah. an out there example. Sure, sure, sure. but yeah, it was yeah. a little weird. But. Way more death in the French Revolution. Okay, Um, I think it's important to establish quickly because I want to make this about Maximilian Robespierre, not all about the French Revolution. But we should, other than the American Revolution, some other things that started the French Revolution is that simply like the big one is that the poor were super poor. Okay, every society has poor people. It gets particularly Mm. bad when people are starving to death, particularly in societies um, that are used to sort of a higher um, quality of life, like was the case in France. But what do you mean it gets particularly bad? Like the unrest? The unrest, the unhappiness among the poor. So if you're poor, but you're still feeding yourself and your children every night, Mm -hmm. that's one thing, right? right? When you you can't put food in mouths, that's when the unrest happens. That's when people start getting pissed. Fairly so. Um, And do we know the cause of the... The economic situation. Yeah, that was a that's a great question. Okay, so a big part of it um, was actually the famous Palace of Versailles. Yes. Built by Louis the Fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, cost a shitload of money. Oh yes, I have. Um, yeah, I'm having memories of this. I don't know if I learned about it when I was visiting or just from you. Okay. So he kind of bankrupted the country, almost building that palace. Building a palace. He um, also bankrupted the com- 
uh, country along with a bunch of other French kings fighting wars. Yeah. So you know that whole thing that Americans love to do, making jokes about how the French suck at fighting wars? Mm-hmm. Very false. They're very, very good at fighting wars and they love doing it. Okay. Okay? So wars cost a lot of money. Yeah. All right? So it's all leading up to this sort of like mass amounts of debt that France owes. And then, also crazy thing about history is sometimes timing is just poor, okay? And there happened to be like a very, very long drought in 1789. So, there was a very low wheat harvest, and without wheat you can't eat the number one thing that French people eat. Which is baguettes. baguettes. (laughs) Ah, same time. Um, But yes, so the French are, the French poor people are extremely poor, they're starving, um, there's an Enlightenment error happening where everyone thinks they can govern themselves. The Americans just started a revolution. They think they can govern themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa, do revolutions ever happen when there's good leadership? Are they like, we got to revolt against FDR. This guy's a dick. Um, not in enough numbers to gain momentum. I'm sure there was a cult somewhere in America that thought that. <laughs> yeah, yes. But yeah. Yeah. I would imagine not. Sure. But my point being, right, if there's a revolution, you show me a revolution, I'll show you poor leadership, right? Hmm. Um, Louis XVI, okay? So he's the great grandson of Louis XIV, the great sun king of France, okay? Okay. He is in charge, okay? And when he gets arraigned, king of France, he's very young, I think he's like 12 to 14-ish area. Um, he becomes arraigned king of France mm-hmm. with massive amounts of death. And there's a lawyer there at his arraignment. And as part of the ceremonies of the arraignment, there's a young, new, hotshot lawyer there who is named... Robespierre. Maximilian Robespierre. Okay, so he's a lawyer. Yeah. He's not a fighter. He's a lawyer. He and used he's the, the... I was just thinking his weapon of choice is... Words. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. So I'm deep. a loser. All right, keep so going. <laughs> as they say, the pen is mightier than the sword. It um, is. <laughs> the pen, or it is the sword. In this case. All right, continue. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Point. Point across. Okay. Um, so anyway, he gives this like he's a supporter of the crown. He's a supporter of Louis the Sixteenth. He seems great. You know. Potential in young Louis. He sees the 12 to 14 year old. Yes. And he thinks this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's just a good Frenchman. It is an honor to be a lawyer, right? In a lot of societies, we don't really think about it this way anymore in America. Mm-hmm. But if you're a lawyer, you're like a protector of like the laws and, and you're supposed to be fighting for justice. Oh, that's such a nice sentiment. Right? Let's go back to that. Yeah, right? But I don't know. It would give Kevin a little too much happiness for us to think <laughs> that's that true. way. That's true. You feel way too so, cool. Yeah, let's keep him down a peg. Okay? Yeah, that's lawyers, worth it. Lawyers that's worth are it for snakes. democracy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so continue. So, Louis becomes king, all right? And he starts making some mistakes that is going to slowly start turning Maximilian Robespierre against him. Okay. Mistake number one, Louis the Sixteenth is going to marry a very, very famous queen. Can you think of who she might be? <sighs> oh, wait, I thought that was a hint. That's just pressure. Okay, um, it's, uh, it's, um, oh, it's too much pressure. It's, um, it's the queen of, uh, 
Marie? Well, who are Marie Antoinette? Marie Shit. Antoinette. Marie so Antoinette. that's what you should have done yeah, sorry. before. Marie, just giving you the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the first part of the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I come in strong at the, at the, you know, the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Marie Antoinette. Yes, sorry. Right. Bitch. I am familiar with her. Yes. I don't know. She, no one ever calls her queen. They always say Marie Antoinette. So that's going to be my defense on this one. I'll take it. Okay. It's not like they call her Queen Elizabeth. They yeah. do indeed call her Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Now, uh, Marie Antoinette is not a Frenchman, or Frenchwoman, if you will. She's from the country of Austria. Mm. Okay? That sounds so French. Yeah, I think they Frenchified her name. Okay. I'm not, I, I, I don't think she was born Marie Antoinette in Austria, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, but I don't know that. Again, I'm not a professional historian. That's just an assumption that Lisa and I are both making based off of the sound of her name because it does not sound German. It doesn't. So, Austria, France, they don't like each other. Mm-mm. They're two big European powers. They're right there in the smack of Western Europe together. Is this when Austria was still hanging out with Hungary? Um, yeah, to an extent. Austria was a giant kingdom ruled by a giant family called the Habsburgs. Okay. Okay. So they're not very good friends, and is the marriage in the idea being that it would create peace? Yes, absolutely. In theory, however, French commoners don't see it that way, such as Maximilian Robespierre. They see it as a betrayal. Yes. Okay. Because Frenchmen are stubborn people, and they hate the Austrians. Okay. So you know, F Marie Antoinette, she sucks. Okay. So it's just basic on principle against. The Austrians, not necessarily that, you know, there's some tradition in France where you marry a French queen or something. Yeah, you know how the French are. The, the French are very nationalistic. They're very protective of their culture. Yep, okay. Okay? So, they don't like it, including Maximilian Robespierre. Step one to pissing off Louis... Or, sorry. Uh, Robespierre. Robespierre getting pissed off yep. at Louis. Yep. Okay? Now, how old is Louis at this point? Not much older. They're, they're young. They're young people. Wow, that's a lot to catch up on. Yes. Uh, Marie Antoinette, also very young. Okay? okay? However, they are old enough to have intercourse because they are bedded in a, be- a proper bedding ceremony the night of their um, <laughs> wedding. So you, let's at work with the assumption that they're at least 14 or 15 years old, that's probably old. slightly older. Oof. That's okay? gross. Fun that's fact, young. side note about Louis the Sixteenth, actually, yeah. is that his penis didn't work. Oh my god, this is such a sexual podcast. Yeah. I mean, really dude, nice. whenever you're talking about monarchs and shit, though, there's a lot of weird <laughs> sex stuff going on, you know? Okay, okay. Um, yeah, his penis didn't work. He had some disease, I don't know what it's called, that it was extremely, extremely painful to ejaculate. Oh my goodness. So it took them forever to get pregnant, and like everyone made fun of Louis behind his back about being gay and stuff. Because they couldn't consummate the wedding, but he wasn't gay. He like it literally hurt him to ejaculate. Wow. That's neither here nor there. Okay, that's just a fun sidebar. <laughs> All right. But anyway, these two people we've established the poor leadership prior to the revolution starting. All right. They're bad leaders. They're too young. They're too inexperienced. They don't get it. They don't get how life works. They do not get how poor the poor Frenchmen are. In fact, they are so out of touch. An advisor once went to Marie Antoinette and said to her, the poor are starving. They cannot find any bread to eat. This one I know. And Marie Antoinette said what? She said, let them eat cake. 
Right. Nailed it. Wrong, though. No, that was not no, no, no. an actual real you quote. You're a Gotcha. Not a real okay, quote. Okay, but it's a, it's a right yes. misconception. It and I am just as misconceived on that as everyone else on the podcast. Yes. It is a real quote. It's from a book called The Queen, written by Voltaire before Marie Antoinette was even born. It is always applied to Marie Antoinette because she basically lived out being the terrible queen that Voltaire made fun of in that book. Mm-hmm. So the point being here, she's so out of touch how a common folk... It was really like a case of affluenza. Ah, there you go. These these kids, given everything, been told to lead two countries? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, there you it's go. Just you a recipe it. for a disaster. I don't know what Rose Pierre was thinking. Oof. I mean, who has that kind of faith in a 13-year-old? <laughs> right. It is a bold thing, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so she says that. Well, she says that in not so many words. Yeah. She doesn't actually say that, but the point being is that they are so out of touch with how poor the poor people are that they think that if they run out of bread, then they can just start eating cake. Right. Reality is French peasants almost only eat bread, right? Mm -hmm. So, July 14th. Bastille Day. There it is, Lise. Look at you. Bastille Day. Yeah. Okay? Louis XVI is out hunting. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen is French commoners are going to get fed up. There's no freaking food. There's no freaking money. All right? People are starving. The kings and queens aren't doing anything except for having the lovely balls. And all the rich people are like feasting and all this shit. Right? Louis XVI is out hunting. A bunch of revolutionary poor people. They're led by middle class people. They're all riled up. All right, and they go to the prison called the Bastille. Right, the French say Bastille. Mm. We say Bastille, right? But since I nail the French accent, it's a Bastille, (laughs) right? And now they have this huge heroic event while these peasants storm this castle and fight off all the king's men, and then they free all these political prisoners, right, Lisa? Uh, yes. No, no, wrong. No, also no. wrong. So this is hilarious. Okay. Right? The story of what happened at the Bastille. Okay, so, the I, so just to be fair, I don't even know what... I don't know anything about this day. I just right. know that it's a holiday. Sure. Um, so the, you, you basically imply that uh, what people do tend to know and they assume is that that story that you told me that's not, not actually correct? We as Americans would assume... And let, me give, let me back up a little bit. Bastille Day is the closest thing the French have to Independence Day. Right. Fourth of July. Which is really kind of interesting considering they're so close in in dates and that we have the same colors in our flag. Yes. And they're a big part of the celebrations. That's all I have to prepare. That's great. That's a great observation. (laughs) But what's going to happen is they celebrate Bastille Day. It's not quite as big of a thing as our Independence Day, as like a source of pride and stuff, but they do sort of celebrate it as the start of their starting in democracy. Yeah. Okay? And the story is, is this big, heroic, symbolic start to the French Revolution that even though it was a disaster, it changed all of Europe. It led us to democracy in Europe, so it is something worth celebrating. Change can be painful. Right. You're welcome. (laughs) How... How French is what... This is what really happens at the Bastille. Okay? The Bastille is a prison. Yeah. Okay? It's a prison for political prisoners of the crown. Yeah. So it is a symbol of the crown and oppression. Mm-hmm. Right? So all these poor fishmongers and stuff grab all their knives and their little stakes and whatever they have and they march on the prison. 
All right? And what happens is the prison guards are like, I don't want to see any Frenchmen die. All of my guards here are going to lay down our arms. You can come into this prison. You can free the prisoners and you can take any of the, pr the weapons you want because it's also an armory. Okay? So the mob was like, yeah, no. That's cool. You can totally let us in. Yeah, we're not going to do anything crazy. So the guards open the prison doors. The mob runs in there and pull, like literally pulls to pieces the guards. Like <gasps> pulls heads off of their body, murders them all. Um, oh my goodness, because they just associate them with the state? Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. Oh, see, that's terrible. That, oh, this is why. Man, if everyone was just nice to each other. Right. <laughs> mob so mentality. Sad. I know. I'm just like, that was such a <laughs> gracious thing that he did. It was so peaceful and... Yeah. Oh man, but they were riled up. I sure they were not sober either. Mob mentality. Oh, yeah. so riled up. Too much French red wine. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. This is the thing that people don't talk about as much that I've like learned from what I have studied about war. Um, and everyone is just always so intoxicated. Yeah. I don't really always talk about that. For sure. Well, um, war sucks, man. I know. It makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Yeah. But, yeah, they just never really say it, you know? Yeah. But anyway, sorry. So, okay. So, they um, they go in, and instead of peacefully removing the prisoners, they decide to dismember the guards. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. They put their heads on stakes, like uh, pikes, and they parade them about town. Ugh. All right. They actually took down that prison um, over the next couple of days, brick by brick, and built a bridge over what's the river that goes to the piers? The Sin. The Sin, yeah. Wow. And they build a yeah, and it's still there. And they did it so you can trample across the horrible monarch prison. <laughs> yeah. You can still go There's, walk on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm see, not sure which one it is. This is why traveling is even more interesting when you have the historical background. That's right. That's what's up. You're welcome, folks. <laughs> okay. So okay, so that's what so happened. the the, uh, the revolution has essentially begun. Yeah. Okay. Hilarious irony that I also have to tell about Louis the Sixteenth. He was hunting that day on July Fourteenth. Obviously, just for funsies, right? Because uh, he can get whatever he wants whenever he wants from anyone. Yeah, yeah he's okay. not a star. Just check. This is a for funsies hunt. Okay, okay. All right. Slow day. He writes in his journal on um, July Fourteenth. I want to say it's seventeen eighty nine, but you know how I am with numbers. July Fourteenth, seventeen eighty nine. He writes in his um, diary. Nothing really happened today. <laughs> I have heard that, I think, before. Somewhere. Yeah. Hilarious, right? But me. it's very symbolic of, of, of him his being in touch with him. All right? Okay. So let's fast forward a bit, okay? The French government, the, the French parliament, uh, called the General Assembly. Uh -huh. It's totally restructured itself. Um, as it, a result of this. Yeah. Well, yeah, as a revolution. We're fast forwarding, remember? We're fast forwarding a couple months. Okay, All but right. yeah, I'm just saying they're restructuring themselves because of the revolution. Yes, we are we are mid revolution right now. Okay. Okay. So, um, Louis the Sixteenth, Marie Antoinette used to peacefully uh, live in Versailles. An angry mob marched to Versailles on foot from Paris, ripped them from their homes, took them back to Paris so they can be around the center of it all, and they were basically on house arrest in Paris. Um, as the General Assembly, which is again sort of like a parliament or a congress, is basically running the country. That's so interesting. So they were like, you'll live for now. Just watch yes. from this place. Absolutely. Okay. They make a huge mistake. Okay. They try to sneak out because they fear for their lives. They try to sneak out and get into Austria. They are caught 
in the small town right before they get to the Austrian border. That's impressive because, you know, back then you didn't really have you didn't have the same tracking options that you did now. You didn't. Oh, there wow. was no GPS they could put so onto like, their carriage. So what does this look like? Like a chambermaid goes in and is like, someone's not in their bed. And then goes and tells a guard who goes and gets the army. They were not tracked or, or found missing. It was actually a French soldier in that town that recognized them. Wow, because it would also be a lot harder to recognize people, right? Back then, there's not as many pictures. Unless and... you were the king and queen. Okay. Right. Because there's, like, images yeah. everywhere, and they have, like, paintings. and Yeah, they're probably yeah. printed on the frickin' money and shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> so, right. You're right. Um, so, they, they, so yeah. basically, they just didn't get enough a good enough disguise. Yes. Okay. Right? So, Max Well, he's they... only 14, you know? I can't get over that. I'm sorry. It's just really young. He was young, but like... Okay. There's a lot I know. They're all young. I know. This is also a thing I've learned. But, yeah. um, okay. So, yes, continue. They get caught by a French soldier in, right yeah. in this small border town. Mm-hmm. French people, furious. Among them, Maximilian Robespierre. He's still mad. Okay. Maximilian Robespierre uh-huh. is done with him now. He sees it as this huge betrayal, and he turns to be full-on revolution-style. So, okay. okay, so this is part of it. So people are kind of like, well, maybe the king and queen, we can keep them around if we're happy with how the parliament represents us. Absolutely. Okay, and then once they did that, they were like, oh, you are not of the people. You do not care at all. We can't, this revolution can't continue with you being a part of it. Yes. Okay. And so here's the, like, England is already what we had at this time period is what you call constitutional monarchy. Yeah. All right, or a parliamentary monarchy. All right, it is not absolute. They have their parliament and they have the king. And that's essentially what the French were doing. But then when they left, they, they were pissed. They went full-on American. Yeah, they were like, we are getting rid of the monarch altogether. Yeah. And guess what happens to poor Louis the Sixteenth? Well, yeah, I think he dies. Off, off with him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As the great Karen O. once said. Mm-hmm. Off with his head, yep. right? Now he's dead. They keep Marie Antoinette alive for a little bit longer, but she eventually gets guillotined as well. Would you say that like Louis the Sixteenth was the first guillotine, really? First king or the first person? First person. Oh hell no! Okay, so this been going again. We are so can we, we are, are revolution here. Are we going to learn exactly why there's so much guillotining? Yes. Okay. Okay. I am going to get to that. All right. All right. But I appreciate the call out, though. I mean, it's a big thing, right? Yes. You're like, yeah, sure, people's heads are rolling all the time. Like, yes. yeah, that's normal. <laughs> all right, let's go. Now, Marantz went out of the way. The monarch's out of the way. It is only the General Assembly in front of the chart, the, the, running the country now. Okay? Not only is it only the General Assembly, they've gotten rid of all the rich people. Rich people guillotined. Anyone who worked as a super rich Catholic church guy guillotined. It is literally the middle and lower classes running the country, and there are certain representatives that all gather at the National Assembly. Lisa. Yes? It was so intense at these National Assemblies, they had to divide up among themselves. So people who were liberal, lowercase l, wanted a lot of change, sat on the left... And people who are conservative did not want a lot of change. Still, can, like, a, supported the monarch. Sat on the right. That's where we got those terms. That's where we got the terms, left and right. 
French <laughs> Revolution. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. The political I, I know what you mean. Yes. We did yes. not invent the terms left and right. No, yeah. We had that figured out, sorted before then. Yes. Um, okay. That's why we say liberals are on the left and conservatives on the right. It comes from the French Revolution. They had to sit separately because it was too tense. It was too violent. Now, Maximilian Robespierre finds himself moving further and further to the left. The left are the far crazy radicals that are eventually going to take over the country. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's going to be four years of something called the Reign of Terror. Oof. Okay? So Maximilian Robespierre joins a group of people called the Jacobins. Alright? Mm. So he's he's like, he's leading, he's in it. Mm-hmm. He's all the way on the left. Oh yeah. He's in the most Hardcore. Extreme. The Jacobins were the, the most extreme group, which is hilariously it's ironic. dangerous because he's smart too because he's a lawyer. Yeah, Not only well, is he like, smart, he's upholding laws. He's, he has control. That's right, Liz. You yeah. should be terrified. Well, and the reign of terror is coming, so I mean, yeah. at this point, all bets are off. I mean, it's just downhill for, for a while. Okay, yeah. let's hear how, how it all goes down. Okay. So, again, I don't want... Uh, like Kevin thinking that all lawyers are smart because you mentioned he's smart because he's a lawyer let's not go there but it is safe to assume he's pretty smart <laughs> we're also giving ourselves a lot of credit that he'd even be listening this far into the podcast no Kevin will listen I'll just tell him he's in the where you talk about oh, a lot oh that's true that's you know? true That'll everyone wants to yeah. listen to podcasters talk about him that's true even if it's only going to be heard by four people <laughs> that's true it's better than that right um, okay so some lawyers are smart Yes. Kevin excluded. <laughs> there it is. So, the Jacobins, mm-hmm. we get to so much chaos without the monarchy that, that basically the crazier you are, the more power you take. And the Jacobins, who Maximilian Robespierre yeah, was the president of at this time, yeah. is essentially going to take over. Okay? They call themselves, hilariously ironic name, the Committee for Public Safety. For public safety. But what they're protecting is not necessarily people. They're protecting the revolution. Okay. Okay. So you ask me, why is everyone getting guillotined? Mm-hmm. Okay. Everyone was getting guillotined if they were seen as a enemy of the revolution. Okay. Yeah. So they had bread lines, which is very common in countries when they have um, food shortages. Okay, if you're standing in the bread line and like this neighbor you don't like, like Susan's standing in front of you and like talking too much, you can walk up to some revolutionary guard or soldier and be like, you know, Susan is talking about how much she misses Louis the 16th. No questions asked. There's guards kicking in Susan's door, taking her out, putting her to the guillotine, executed. What? No what? trials. No judge and jury, only execution. I mean, okay, I'm sorry, but these people can't have been that different than people that we know today. How many people do you know would want someone murdered over a slight annoyance? I would like to think I don't know that many yeah. people. Yeah, so what, that was just happening all the time? Well, this was, this was different times. This I were... don't know, Stephen. That is <laughs> basic human decency. Sure, but again, uh, this is a wild, violent time. Wow. Wild, violent time, right? 
this is what people are getting executed for. Anyone established, any rich people executed, members of the old government executed, some priests executed. Okay? Okay. So, right. so, I mean, is it fair to say that the people that are, you know, mostly being spared on average are, you know, peasants? No, peasants were getting killed, too. Okay, was there Everyone. a protected class? No, no, no. It was, it was basically a free-for-all. Okay, so it, this was, is, it was just murder city. It was just slaughter nation. Yeah, and this is part of the reason the Jacobins, who were so far to the left, gained power. Because the one way that you can make sure that you never seemed like you were anti-revolution was being so hardcore revolutionary that like no one could even you know think about. So crazy was the was the cloak of safety. Yes, exactly. It's a great way of putting it. Oh, it was boy. very poetic of you. Crazy was the cloak of safety. Oh man, that is just that is. Scary times. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's terrifying. And this is why, you know, I, I'm obsessed with the French Revolution is because I find it so amazing that, like, France, which is considered, like, the epicenter of society and classiness, mm. just plummeted into, like, extreme chaos almost overnight, and it lasted for, like, a freaking decade of just French people killing other French people and killing the rest of Europe, because, by the way, when all this shit's happening domestically, they're also fighting wars against all the other monarchs. Because the monarchs are invading France trying to squash the revolution, but the French people are so ferocious and violent at this time that they're killing off of like four other countries as worth monarchs. Wow. Wow. It's like, you know, it's like a big ball of of cats just like, and like they're punching each other, and then they're like getting the outsiders and getting swiped and... It's Except, an incredible metaphor. Thank uh, you for that. Hey, sorry. I, I don't know. This is stressing me out. This is just like a lot. This is a lot of violence. It's so unnecessary. Make more more cat noises. <laughs> that was definitely my max. Yeah. Okay. I, um, my throat still hurts, actually. Oh, sorry. I always get a sore throat after I land from long international flights. It's very annoying. Well, it's a good thing you don't have to, like... Um, Travel on long international flights for your job or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll deal with that for a long time, right? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so. Yes, went on a pretty big sidebar there. Yeah. Let's get back to Max. Max, president of the Committee for Public Safety. That time period when they're in charge of the country, it's called the Reign of Terror. It's four years long, and that is when the peak of the murdering was happening in France. So the crazies are in charge. And they are like, what should we do? Let's just kill more people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, towards the end of the reign of terror, mm-hmm. okay, things are really going to fly off the rail. So things have been crazy now, but things get real crazy. They get more crazy. Yes. They outlaw religion. Okay. In France. That and seemed to kind of stick around. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That <laughs> is a great so point. Secular. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Yep. Um, they get rid of the calendar. They start a 10-day calendar, so no one knows when the Sabbath is, and they get off of the whole, uh, you know... So the calendar's a direct um, result of them trying to, like, ban religion? Yes, as part is, uh, yeah, it is a result of that. Okay. And there's a revolution uh, museum in Paris that I went to, and I guess I'm the only one obsessed with the revolution, because it's such a sidebar museum in Paris that like it was like me and like four other people in the entire museum and I was fascinated they still have calendars and clocks from the revolution that are by everything they did it almost like time is like a metric system so it's like 10 days there's 10 months 
there's 10 hours in a day or some shit, or maybe it's 20 hours in a day. Like, they change everything just to start fresh without any, uh, like, allusion to, to... to anything to that existed and before. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. And, that, yeah, I guess that would work a little bit better if we weren't on, like, a very serious solar orbit that has real implications. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Even more so, um, you know how if you walk through, you know, you're in Europe and everything's named after some, some saint or something and there's churches everywhere? Yeah. They changed Every single thing that was named after a religious figure to a, a member of the revolution and shit like that. Huh. Okay? Okay. Then, Maximilian Robespierre starts losing his mind. Just then, or? Well, he starts doing really weird shit. Like, for example, he declares some holiday in the middle of Paris and then makes a gigantic paper mache mountain on wheels. And, like, rolls it to the center of town and, like, dresses up in, like, a cloak and descends down the paper mache mountain, which is, like, extremely sort of like a reference to, like, obviously religious garb, like someone coming from up high and coming down to save the people. It's almost like Moses. Like, well, like, I mean, if you think you're God, I mean, you're gonna do, like, you know, God-like things, maybe subconsciously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, essentially, what Max Amelian Robespierre has done is he has gotten rid of religion and made almost himself the religion, and the revolution the, re- the religion. He's like the theocrat. No. You can almost put it that way, and, like... That's not literally what a theocrat would be, because it is technically, there is no God. It's like the God King. He, sure, he is a God King, right? <laughs> Except he doesn't believe in God. Yeah. Um, consciously. So consciously, he's like, yeah, Max is in charge of this stuff now. Yeah. I, I have, uh, you know, what am, I'm all powerful. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so... So he goes down his paper mache toy. Yes, his little paper mache toy mountain and like gives some bizarre speech. And then the next day, Uh he goes to the General Assembly. Biggest mistake of his life. He goes there and it's basically. There it is, Liz. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) It's all crazy, crazy radical um, leftists. Is everyone just running on adrenaline at this point? Right? I mean, like, how does life feel normal? I mean, I just can't imagine. Like, you would just... I feel like I would just be, like, on this crazy high all the time, paranoid, running around, and um, and everything would be so sur- surreal. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I does anyone, so. like... Are there writings from people that lived in that time that, like, indicate what it felt like to be there then? Oh, a shit ton. So okay. much. So okay. much of it. Okay. Um, in fact, that book you got me that you turned into a clock. Yeah. It has some of that in it. Bummer, man. That clock is going to really make that difficult. <laughs> um, okay, okay. So, sorry. Uh, we were talking about... Okay, he makes the last... Mis- yes. Fun he shows up at the National Assembly, okay? And he has with him a piece of paper. And he says to the room... I have here a list of 20 people among us who are still against the revolution. Guess how many names were actually written on that piece of paper? 
Ah, one. Zero. Zero. He just grabbed a piece of paper. He had a blank piece of paper. He was basically out of tricks and out of things to say to keep him in the spotlight. He goes home. The National Assembly that was still there, they're like, look, I'm not trying to get killed, so why don't we just all agree to kill him? (laughs) So he shows up the next day at the National Assembly. They grab him. They take him and Maximilian Robespierre guillotined. Wow. Off with head. Off with his head. Right. Was he the last one to be guillotined? He wasn't the last last, but many historians, depending on which one you're talking about, will say that Maximilian Robespierre being killed sort of ended the revolution. It definitely ended the reign of terror, because things really calmed down. However, if you think back to last week when I said before Napoleon was in charge, the directory of five guys was in charge. Yeah. All right. So after he was killed, the five dudes, yeah, the revolutionaries called the directors took over. The direct, yeah, the directory took over. Yeah. Napoleon was fighting against all those other monarchs that I told you about about yes. twenty minutes ago, yes. and he had become famous. He built a name for himself. He did this all while during the reign of terror. Yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. So, the French armies were like literally beating four other countries while the reign of terror was happening domestically within their country. Wow, history is lit. Yeah. It is lit. That's totally what my kids would leave my classroom saying. (laughs) They'd be like, thanks, Mr. W. I didn't know history could be so lit. It was rad. <laughs> All right. Well, just wait till you're 31. It's gonna, it's gonna sit real well. Right. Wow. I think it's fascinating. Yes, it is. Right. People be cray. Yeah. So cray. Yes. Okay. That's the fun part of the revolution. That's the fun story. Maximilian Robespierre, the crazy ass who was like the big brains behind the whole operation. Um, just to wrap it up, so I feel like I didn't really wrap up Napoleon last week. Okay. Eventually, a monarch's going to come back to France. And it's about a hundred years of monarch and mini-revolution. Monarch, mini-revolution. Napoleon III takes over for a little while. Mini-revolution. Okay? So it was not an immediate change like America, where it went from we're colonies under a king to being a full democracy. But eventually, France becomes the modern democracy we know today. Um, you can pretty much associate most modern democracies in all of Europe with the French Revolution because huh. it changes everything. It changes the way everyone thinks. All right, we, it really helps us apply the Enlightenment. Wow. Okay, that's it. That's the story of the Maximilian Robespierre. Thank you. Excellent, excellent storytelling. Fascinating. Cool. I hope you learned something, Elise. I did. That those French people can really get up to no good that's right yeah but you know strong recovery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. real strong recovery Eventually. i want this is not super historical mm-hmm. but it is something that i feel like i need to talk about mm-hmm. lisa have you ever been to lucerne switzerland and seen what's called the weeping lion statue um i have not it's i've the... been to lucerne but uh, my back hurt so i spent the entire day on on a bench by the lake and uh then went back on the trail. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. yeah. I, I just want to put it out there that it was a... A bunch of Swiss people also died during the French Revolution. And it was a... Um, 
It was a really cool uh, monument to them. It is literally in the middle of Lucerne. There's this incredible, gigantic lion with a spear in its um, side dying and crying, weeping lion. Yeah. It's chiseled into the side of this stone mountain in front of a pond in Lucerne. It's the most underrated thing I've ever seen when traveling. I'd never heard of it until I arrived in Lucerne. I went there and it was like breathtaking. Ah. So if you're ever in Switzerland, France, whatever, go see it or just Google it. It's cool as shit, man. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll be back there soon, so I would love to mm-hmm. come up there and see it. Good, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Now we're a little long because it's hard for me to keep things short when I'm talking about the French Revolution. So we'll end our non-history talk tonight and just end the whole pod in general. Um, do you have any final last words, real quick? No, not at all. Thank you. Very enlightening. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My name is Steve, and I was a history teacher. And my name is Lisa, and I'm married.